It's good to have all of you here. I am super excited to be here. Um, this is one of my favorite Sundays because I get to get up and talk about something that goes on all throughout the year that a lot of you in here maybe don't know about. You don't get to experience um, quite the same way that I do. I get to be on the front lines of this, which is awesome. But it's also a day when we get to put our faith into action. And I was watching that promo video and it said, when we live beyond ourselves, we can make a difference. So how many of you in here actually truly believe that your life can make a difference in this world? Some of you, a little, little hesitation. Okay, today's the day that you're gonna start believing that because that is what God put us here to do. Your life can make a difference in this world. And what I'm gonna share about today is the opportunity that we have as a church to live beyond ourselves and to actually take what we talk about in here outside these walls into our community in a really big way. And it's a day we get to get together and celebrate what God can do when a group of people just decides to trust him and to say, all right, God, we'll give you what we have and now do something with it. And so if you haven't heard of Project 216, um, we're gonna be talking about that today. If you've been around a while, I'm sure you've heard it mentioned. And I just wanna give you a really quick description of what it is. And so the idea for this came about, it was actually about 12 years ago now. Uh, the school system decided that they wanted to have school uniforms for the kids. And so we were thinking about that and we know our community and we thought, you know what? If you have more than one kid, that's a lot of new clothes that you need to go out and get for your kids. And then we thought, our church is actually right across the street from the elementary school. We can go out in our front and actually see it from where, they're our neighbors. Let's do something as a church to help out the school system. So somebody donated some money and we decided we were gonna take that money and buy some school approved S shirts and just give them to the school and say, give these out as you need. And uh, while we were doing that, we started talking with people in the school system and they said, you know, there's actually kids here who wear the exact same pair of clothes every single day. And there's actually kids here who are required to have athletic shoes for, to go to PE and participate in PE, but they don't have any athletic shoes. And so they're getting in trouble for that. And so we thought, all right, we'll go beyond the t-shirts, let's buy some shoes for some kids. And we did it, we delivered them, and gave ourselves a big pat on the back and thought, we just did something good. But the more we thought about it, we realized we don't want this to just be a one-time event. You know, with generosity, it's easy to be like, did something good, stamp my card, pat my back, I can move on and live my own life right now. Generosity needs to be a lifestyle not just a one-day event. And so we as a church decided, okay, if this is something that we're gonna be doing and keep going and make sure it's sustainable, we need to give it a name. So we were tossing around a bunch of different names and then we read um, the verse James 2.16, which is where we get it. And if you start in verse 15, it says, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? 
in the very next verse, you've probably heard, it goes on to say, faith without works is dead, right? So we saw that verse and we said, that's perfect. That's exactly what we want to do. I've realized something in my own life as a Christian, especially being here in the South, it's really easy to bless a person. Oh, bless you. Oh, bless your heart. It's really easy to say to somebody, oh, I'll be praying for you, right? How many of you have done that? I've done that. It's just the words that kind of pour out of our mouth when we see somebody in need. But if you truly want to help the less fortunate, some effort actually has to be involved in it. You know, it's easy to say somebody that see them, they're hungry, and you say, oh, I'll pray for you, hope you get some food, bless you. Or you could go make them a sandwich. Which one actually does something? It's putting your faith into action. And I think we need to be willing to look at our lives And like Clint was talking about, you know, first world problems being down in Honduras, we've got it pretty good, you guys. And we can take what we have and bless somebody else. So we decided here at Believers, we were just going to go to God and say, we want to make a difference. We want to do something. And so we took James 2.16 to heart. And over the past 12 years, we took it from that very first thing in the elementary school, and it expanded the next year covered the middle school as well. And then the next year we expanded it into the high school and we made this our goal. We just wanna meet physical and educational needs of the kids of Screven County. Do I need to change it? Let me change my mic. All right. Um, we decided we would make it really broad, just the physical, educational needs of the kids of Screven County. We didn't want to go to the schools and tell them, hey, we had this big drive, we got a thousand pencils donated, so here's a thousand pencils. And of course the school would say, wow, thank you, but what if they really needed notebooks instead that year, right? What if what they really needed was notebook paper? It would be great that we gave them pencils and they'd be grateful, but we decided instead of telling them what we were going to do for them, we'd let them come to us and tell us what they actually really needed. And so before Project 216, the faculty and staff of the schools really had two choices when they saw a child in need in their classroom. They could either let the child go without or, like a lot of our teachers do, take their small salary that they have and buy something for the kid and take care of the need themselves. And that's what a lot of teachers were doing and still do because they're just generous people. But they don't have to make that choice anymore. So what we've set it up as is if a teacher sees a need in their classroom, they go to the counselor that's at their school, the counselor contacts us, and then as quickly as possible, we take care of that need. And here's the exciting thing. In 12 years, we've never had to tell them no. And that's because of your generosity as a church. Um, and it just shows that when you give something to God, it's going to grow beyond what you expected it to. You know, that first year, we never expected that it would get to this point. And actually, because we've taken the step to do it, like Clint mentioned, we have other churches and organizations and individuals in our county that help pay money and fund Project 216 as well, and they support it. So... 
the hard part of this is I get to go into the schools and deliver things. I get to see how excited the counselors are. I get to hear all of the, you know, reports that come back about how excited the kids are. But we can't show you any of their faces. We can't tell you specifics about them because it's kept private, which is understandable, right? So I had the great idea that I want to just show you something. And I thought, you know what? Technology is improving so much. And I had a program on my computer. And it said, try out our new AI image generator. I was like, that is perfect. I can put something in there that describes what we're doing with Project 216. It'll create an image that looks like a child, but it's not an actual child. And we could show it to you. This is going to be perfect. So. I typed in something we get to do often in Project 216. I said, young child receiving a new pair of shoes. And this is the picture that I got. <laughs> so you can either laugh or be horrified, because it's a little of both. I think the kid has seven fingers on one of his hands. Um, for some reason, when a child gets new shoes, you want to buy them about 20 sizes too big. And you also want to make sure that you place them in the middle of a road. Um, when you hand it to them. That's, those are all the things that we don't do with Project 216. So uh, I scrapped the idea of using AI, <laughs> but what I'll do is let you use your imagination. I'm gonna tell you some true stories that have happened with kids in our school system, but here's what I want you to keep in mind. These are our kids. These are kids in our county. This isn't some other country. What we do in Honduras is amazing. But these are kids in our county, right here. Maybe your neighbor, maybe right next door to you, probably going to school with one of your kids. These are our kids. So um, there was one instance where a child started coming to school, and every day they were really tired. And the teacher noticed you know, that they were agitated and they just couldn't get motivated to do their work. And this was a big change from how the child was. And so the teacher talked to the child, found out that some extra family members had moved into the house and the child no longer had a bed to sleep in because it had been given to some of the new members that were in the household. So what the child started doing was just pulling a kitchen chair and sitting in that all night to sleep. And so as you would imagine, if you tried to sleep sitting up in a kitchen chair, it doesn't help you too much the next morning. So the teacher went to the counselor, the counselor came to us, and so what we decided to do was let's get a nice electric inflatable mattress so the child can blow that up and then collapse it each day so it's out of the way. And we got that, we got some sheets for it, we got a new pillow for it, and we got a cheap little plastic tote, put it all in there and delivered it to the school. Well, the counselor called us the next week and said the instant that they gave it to this child, you could just see a glimmer of hope in the child's eyes. And they were so excited because they knew that they were going to be able to have a good night's sleep. But they said what was so interesting was this child was excited for the bed, was just as excited to have that little plastic tote because it was something that was their own that they could put their stuff into and keep it as their own within that house that had so many other people in it. So that's something that you've done. Another student was coming to school every day wearing the same outfit. One outfit, 
Monday through Friday, and it was too small. Not only was it too small, it was actually just a pair of pajamas. That's all that that child had. And so they let us know about that. We went out and we got several new pairs of clothes in the right size for this child that they could wear. And the teacher called us and said, you know what? As soon as the child got those and started wearing that, their whole personality changed. She said, this child that used to walk around with their head down, wouldn't interact with other people, now had their head up, a smile on their face, was starting to talk, just from a change of clothes. That's the difference that's made with these simple little things. And then there was, just this year, um, there's a child that was getting made fun of every day because they came to school looking like they had just rolled out of bed. And the counselor talked to the child and found out they didn't even own a hairbrush. There was no brush in the home. So the counselor got a hairbrush for them, just took five minutes, said, here, here's what I want you to do every day. When you wake up, do this, and then come to school. And that kid now has some confidence, is able to come to school, and just with a hairbrush, you could change a life. And so besides all of those stories, I just want to share just real quickly what's been done since the start of Project 216. Y'all have given over 2,300 school t-shirts, several hundred pairs of athletic shoes, 1,100 backpacks. We give hooded sweatshirts and coats when the weather gets cold, whole wardrobes to a bunch of students. We do technology needs, earbuds, scientific calculators. We do other school supplies that are needed, notebooks and paper, pens, crayons, a lot of toiletries, deodorants, toothbrushes, shampoo, um, hairbrushes. We give wipes to the school nurses so that if kids come in and are just dirty and haven't been able to take a bath, they can just take some wipes and just clean up a little bit and go into their classroom feeling like they've been cared for. Um, we've gotten graduation cap and gown sets for the high school to loan out to kids. We help purchase ties and dresses and the things that kids have to wear when they graduate because how many of you know if they make it to that point where they're able to walk on the stage, the last thing they should be worried about is affording what it takes to actually wear to walk across that stage. So we do that. We've gotten glasses for several students who their glasses broke and their parents weren't able to get new ones. And so they couldn't see the board, and so they were starting to fail in their classroom. And so we've done that. We've gotten gift cards for teachers over the years because teachers are generous and are spending their own money on things. And besides all of these things for the past several years, we've also, through Project 216, sponsored an eighth grader for the REACH scholarship program. And so what this is, if you haven't heard of it, a student is sponsored for $1,000 when they're in eighth grade. And then by the time they graduate high school, they go to college with a $10,000 scholarship, which is amazing. And so it's helping kids in our county that maybe didn't think about um, the opportunity to go to college to begin to dream and have a chance to do that. But then there's also kids in our county who don't have food at home. And thankfully, you guys, we live in a county where Monday through Friday, they're getting breakfast and lunch, which is awesome but that still leaves Saturday and Sunday. And a lot of the kids were headed home without anything to eat. So 
we years ago joined a weekend food bag program that was going on at the elementary school. And then we expanded it into the middle school. And now both of those are covered through Golden Harvest, which is awesome. And we just help them if they need extra. But so we expanded it into the high school because if any of you have teenagers, you know, they can be hungry in high school. So how many of you would be pretty excited if we, you knew somebody in this room was feeding 30 high schoolers every single weekend? That's pretty good, right? Okay, look at the person next to you and say, it's you. Because that's what you guys are doing. Every single week, 30 high schoolers are getting food to take home with them to make sure they're not hungry on the weekends. And I think that's pretty good for high schoolers to be able to eat so they can relax a little bit. And when they come back to school on Monday, they can be ready to go. And so because of that, just last year, we delivered over 1,000 food bags to kids in our county. And I went and looked at the numbers. And last school year, Project 216 spent over $11,000 on meeting needs in our county. And in a community like this, that's huge. And that's what this church was able to do just by being generous. That's what the other organizations and churches in our county can join in with. And we can make a difference with that. So I just want you guys to give yourself a hand for that because... But all of those statistics, they're wonderful. They're beyond anything we could have dreamed. But like I said at the beginning, I think if we just pat ourselves on the back for doing it and then throw some money in the offering bucket today, then we've missed a point that I think is bigger than that. And so I want to finish out today just giving you a few truths about generosity so that you can take and you use beyond and go beyond what you can do today for Project 216 because it is supposed to be a lifestyle for us. It's something we're supposed to be doing every day. So the first thing generosity does is generosity opens the door so the gospel can walk through. Generosity opens the door so the gospel can walk through. And I was looking into this. It's been studied and shown that the human brain does something really interesting. When it sees basic needs are in that person's life, shelter, clothing, lack of food, lack of water, there's a reflex response that takes over. And what that brain starts to do is put all its energy and all its focus into taking care of those basic needs. And the way it does this is by shutting itself off to learning anything else new. It thinks, I need to keep this human alive. I'm going to look for these basic needs and take care of them. And so if you think about that in the school system, if those kids are focusing on those basic needs, how good are they going to do learning algebra? Probably not very, right? Their brain is not allowing them to focus on it. But I also think this includes information about God. You know, if somebody is hungry, they don't really care about your favorite worship song or the verse that you just read that you want to share with them. You know, if they're homeless, their brain's not going to let them care about some great quote you have a podcast that you want to share for them. And so it's just they can't help but focus on their basic needs. But when you start to look at the Bible, I think Jesus understood this. He was the actual son of God, but he didn't just go around preaching and just focus on that. When you look at the stories of Jesus in the Bible, 
a lot of times he took care of these people's physical needs before he started to tell them about the most important thing with God. He knew generosity was a way to open these people up to what he had to share. You know, he fed 5,000 of them. He could have just told them, hey, you guys are hungry, but I've got some important message for you. He fed them first and then kept teaching. He would heal their blind eyes or their leprosy before telling them about God and telling them how to follow God. In John 8, starting in verse 4, a group of people were bringing a lady to Jesus, and they said, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? And they kept demanding an answer. So Jesus stood up again and said, All right, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. And so he knew, looking at her life, she had just been caught. And she had just been caught doing something that meant death. What do you think her brain was focused on? The fact that she was about to be killed. So Jesus could have, as soon as they brought her to him, said, you shouldn't have been doing that. Don't sin. He didn't. He made sure that he took away the fear of death. He took away the thing that her brain would have focused on. And then he told her, okay, you're safe now. Go and sin no more. Before he shared the gospel with her, he got rid of the things that would get in the way. And Project 216 follows that idea. We take care of the basic physical and educational needs. So these students and families realize that they have value. They realize somebody actually sees them and actually cares about their life. And it tells their brains to quiet down, to stop stressing for a minute. And I think when we do that, it opens a door. And it allows them to be able to see, you know what? If a human can care about me and the needs that I have, maybe there is a God who can actually care about me and the needs that I have. And so another verse that shows this is in 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 8. It says, God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, do they thank you? Do they throw a party for you because you're delivering gifts to them? No, it says they will thank God. Taking the things that people need to them opens their heart up to be able to have gratitude to the one who's actually providing it anyway. We all know that. We do this because of what God's already done for us. But it opens their heart and opens the door for the gospel to come into their life. Another thing being generous will do is generosity demonstrates our faith is real. Generosity demonstrates that our faith is actually real. If you think about this for a minute, we claim as Christians to serve a loving God who's given everything for us. We talk about John 3:16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We say that if we pray for things, our God's going to answer. 
and we just read that verse that said God's going to generously provide everything that we could need. Yet how many of you in here walk, about, walk around worried about things in your life, worried about needs that you have? We don't live like we actually trust that he's going to come through. And unfortunately, what this does, if when we're facing needs, instead of believing and waiting on God that he's going to show up, we can start to be selfish and start to make our own ends meet and try and keep things together and stop being generous. And whether we intend it to or not, what this shows people out in the world is that either God's not real or he's not faithful or he's not trustworthy. Maybe he's just not worth serving. If they see us not being generous and not trusting, what does it tell them? But when we're generous and we're giving and we're unselfish with our things, it shows God or shows the people what we say is actually true. We put our money where our mouth is, so to speak. Our faith is real by the actions that we do. In our world right now, they're pretty desperate. They're desperate for something to hope in. They're desperate for something to cling to. They're desperate for something real that they can put their trust in. And if we're not showing it to them, no one else is. That's why we were put here, is to share God's love and show his kingdom to other people. Matthew 6, starting in verse 31, says, Don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? This next verse, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. If you're a believer, you're not supposed to be dominated by those thoughts because your heavenly father already knows all your needs. And if you seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, he's going to give you everything you need. That's a promise in his word. Seek him first. He already knows what you need. And he's going to give it to you. We need to be living that way. Another thing about generosity is generosity actually requires a decision. You know, it would be real great if we could just kind of stumble into generosity and just, oh, it just sort of happens. It doesn't. Generosity requires a decision. You have to be intentional about it. I think pretty much all of us are naturally geared to first be concerned about ourselves, Right? So we have to make a decision and make a choice. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, it says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So today as I talk about this, we don't want you to give just because, well, Melanie said we have to and we need to go out and do some stuff in our community. Do it because you decided to and you decided to do it cheerfully. That's what it is all about. God's going to provide. You just have to make a decision to be generous. And then the very last thing, ushers, you can do your thing. Generosity doesn't lose sight of the one. This isn't a capital O-1 God, but it's 
the next person that crosses your path. It doesn't lose sight of the one. There's a story about a man who went on vacation to the beach and he had just gone there to get away and while he was there, a huge storm came up. And so once the storm was passed, he went out by the shore and he was just kind of walking along thinking and he noticed that thousands of starfish had washed up onto the sand from the storm. And as he kept walking, he noticed somebody off in the distance that was bending over. They'd pick up a starfish and they'd throw it back into the water so it could live. And they'd bend over, pick up the next one. And as he kept walking, he ended up catching up to this person. And he just got into a conversation with them. He said, you know, there's thousands of starfish here. There's miles of beach. There's no way you're going to get all of these starfish. You're, you're not even really making a difference. And the person looked at him, looked down, picked up the next starfish, said, it's making a difference for this one. And he threw it back into the water. And I think that's how we're supposed to live. It's easy to look at the need in this community and get overwhelmed by it. But all we need to do is keep our eye on the one, the next one that we come in contact with, the next hungry person, the next person that has a need that needs to be shown some hope. You know, you may not be able to feed every single family in Sylvania, but you can make supper for one family. Don't lose focus of the one. And I think if we do that, we don't really know what the final outcome is gonna be. We don't know what that hairbrush placed into the hand of that child who gave them a little bit more confidence so that they could focus on their class and actually make it to high school and graduate and go out and get a job and become a productive citizen of this county. We don't know the difference that that's gonna make. But I do know that it made a difference for that person. And as we begin to do that with Project 216 and reaching out into our community, our community begins to change. As we reach out and we begin to take care of the basic needs of the children in our community, those kids grow up. And as they grow up into adults, realizing that there's actually people out there that care about them and their hearts are open and they begin to realize there's actually a God that cares about them, that brings change to our community. That's a way that we make a difference in our community and have a positive influence in our society. And it takes all of us playing our part. One person doesn't have to take care of all of it, but when we all join together, big things happen. And I think, you know, looking back, we had no idea buying that first hundred t-shirts was gonna become what it did today. But all we did was trust God and take a step. And we thought about the one, the one person that would get that t-shirt. And the reason we can decide to give is because there's a, there's a God, he already gave us everything. Why would we cho choose to hold back when we've already been given everything by him? There's a God who's full of love. He wants not only the people outside those doors taken care of, but he wants the best for you as well. As you take a step and as are generous, he'll take care of you. So you have that opportunity today to decide to be generous, to make that decision. I'm gonna ask now, you go ahead and stand with me.
And as we close, we never close a service without giving you an opportunity because just like you have an opportunity to decide to be generous today, you have the opportunity this morning to decide that you want to serve a loving God, that you want to start a relationship with Him. Because we serve a God who never lost sight of the one. You know, there's a verse that says, if there's 99, He's going to leave them to go after the one who's lost. That's the kind of God that we serve. He doesn't lose sight of the one. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe talking about generosity has opened your heart up to realize there's a God out there who loves you. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to give you a moment just to get quiet with God. And if that's you, and if you feel like your relationship with God isn't at the place it needs to be, or maybe you've never asked Him to be Lord of your life, then now's the time that you can do that. All you have to do is just pray a simple prayer in your heart that says, God, thank you for being generous. Thank you for giving your only son for me. And God, today I choose to come to you. Forgive me for the things I've done that don't please you. And I want Jesus to be Lord of my life today. I wanna to follow you, God, and become generous like you are. And if you prayed that prayer today, then you can know that God has taken you into his family. I just wanna take a minute and pray over the rest of us and bless our time, bless your families. We're gonna sing a song in just a minute. And what we've started doing is if you need prayer for anything beyond what I pray for, or if you just wanna join with somebody, we'll have a prayer team down here to my right and your left. During this last song, I encourage you, come forward and get prayer. It's a great time to do that. If you have a need in your life, you can come and pray with them. And if not, I encourage you just to join in with this song. We'll close with worship. But let's pray and just bless our offering. And you can give as you leave at the buckets at the back or any time online. But God, we thank you this morning. I just thank you, Father, this morning for how much you love us. Lord God, that you loved us enough to give your best gift. And we thank you for that this morning. Lord God, we choose today to be generous. God, to make it a lifestyle that we would go out there into our community and show that our faith is real. Lord God, we put our trust in you today. No matter what's going on in our circumstances, Lord God, we put our trust in you. And we know that you will be faithful to take care of us. God, your word promises that you will take care of us. We thank you for that today. God, we bless the offering that comes in. Lord, that every bit of it is enough to do what you wanna see done in these schools, Lord God, what you wanna see done in the lives of these children. We thank you for you, how you've blessed it so far, God, and I thank you that that will continue. Bless everyone who's giving, Lord God. I ask that you would just generously give to them, Lord God, because of their response to you. And we just thank you for that this morning. God, we give you the rest of this week. Go with us. Lord God, show us people that we can reach out to. God, help us to be a church who goes out 
and reaches people for you, who is seen as generous and loving and demonstrating that our faith in you is real. And we thank you for that now. In Jesus' name, amen.